0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode.
1: Welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am so excited to bring you a conversation with my friend Reem. We've been friends for, I think, like six or seven years, and ever since I met her, her faith has inspired me. And she's been one of those friends who, at different times in my life, has spoken truth exactly when I needed it, um, with love but and grace, but also like firmness if I needed it. And I've just really always admired um, her relationship with the Lord. So I wanted to get her on the show to hear more about her journey and what God is teaching her. So Reem, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. So to get us started today, I was wondering if you could give us a little background about how you came to know the Lord and a little bit about your family history. yeah, yeah.
2: um well, I'm originally from the Middle East. I was born in Jordan. Uh, my family and I immigrated to the United States when I was just a small baby. And so we grew up uh, primarily in Oregon, um, just outside of Portland. and you know I'm um, four or five kids, so big Arab Christian family. I'll say Christian, um, you know, in the Middle East, you're basically either Catholic background or a Muslim background or Jewish. And so we kind of fell under that Catholic Christian um, background. So we, we grew up um, going to Arabic mass, you know, twice a year. I never understood it because I never learned Arabic. Um, but I would say in junior high, my older sister, she came to know the Lord first, really out of all of us, she got saved. And I started tagging along the youth group with her. And at the age of 14, um, I accepted Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. And it was just such a, an intense encounter with the Holy Spirit um, that it it was something that I remember so so distinctly to this day. It feels like it was just yesterday, but um, it was decades ago. And, and that's really where it all started for me and the Lord. And um, Was back in Oregon. Yeah.
1: Nice. So what brought you to Charlotte? Cause now you live in outside of Charlotte, North Carolina.
2: Yeah. So it was about 14 years ago. I was just out of college, started my career in public accounting and my family, uh, my parents had moved to Florida. It was time for my parents to think about retiring soon. And I could not stomach the idea of moving to Florida. And so, uh, I made a deal with my dad that it was really more of a fight, but, uh, he said, you know, your whole family's here in Florida, you ought to move here. And I said, that's not true. I have a sister in Charlotte. He said, well, I consider that to be the neighborhood. I said, okay, I'll move to Charlotte. He said, fine. Okay. fine. I said, fine. He said, fine. So a <laughs> kind of disobedient, but obedient act. Uh, I moved to Charlotte where my sister, um, same sister, Rowan moved. And so she lived here with her husband at the time before they had kids And she said I could live with them. So I moved to Charlotte and got to live with my sister and her husband for a couple of years before they ended up moving to Germany. They started a a nonprofit there, um, an anti-human trafficking organization actually, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, But yeah, they left after a couple of years and I found myself all alone in Charlotte, but not willing to move to Florida. So, you know, a whole series of events and I'm still here 14 years later.
1: Yes. What surprising doors did God start to open? Like once you got here and your sister left, you were alone. Things might not have been as you expected.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, my first encounter with the Lord was when I was 14. And just a little bit of backstory. When I graduated um, from high school, went to college you know i think that would that's really started the time of all say when i fell asleep my on my spiritual life mm-hmm. and for years i would i would call myself a christian but i was not walking with the lord i was not surrendering my whole life to him i believed in god for sure but he was really just you know i was a practical atheist you know living with yeah. if god did not exist um, in in my daily interactions and my decision making uh, really just focused on my career and the occasional, you know, being obedient to my parents. Um, And so when I moved to Charlotte, I didn't realize, but the Lord at the time was actually orchestrating all of that because I look back, he really had to remove me from the Pacific Northwest. That's where Mm -hmm. my identity was and my friends primarily and my work. And it wasn't until I got to Charlotte, had nobody, right? I had my sister, um, but really had to start all over that the Lord starting to remove all these distractions and really starting to mold me and really taking me to ground zero to start all over again. So that started the process and it took a couple of years, even after that, um, before I say I woke up, but it was surprising because I thought, um, you know, we, we affectionately referred to my sister and her husband as the missionaries before they were missionaries because they were so on fire for the Lord. And I thought, oh, here goes all my freedoms. I won't be able to drink. I won't be able to party. I won't get to do all the things I wanted to do now that I was out of college and in my early 20s. And the amount of just grace and love and the example that they set for me made me just crave what they had, which was that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. Um, and so- you know, they moved and I was alone and it felt like I had to start all over again, but I was still asleep. I was still asleep for a couple more years. And it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until I was about almost 30 years old that uh, I realized I was hanging out with my closest friends at the time. None of them were believers but I was going to church. I was serving. I was giving. And so I thought, it's okay, God. Like I'm going to drop your name around. Don't worry. I'm going to hang out with these guys. You know, I have nobody else around. I'm really lonely, and I need friends. Uh, but don't worry. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to, you know, go back to the bar for brunch where we were the night before. And a buddy of mine and I were talking one morning, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, how are you feeling after last night?" You know? And I was like, "Well, I feel, I feel great. I went to church this morning. You should come sometime." And I knew he was an atheist. But something he said in that moment really rocked me. He said, Reem, I know I don't want to be a Christian, but I don't think you want to be a Christian. Mm. And I thought, well, what have I done? Where, what am I doing with my life that non-believers don't, don't see the Lord in me? And I realized it wasn't because I was really doing anything bad, but I wasn't really doing anything, anything yeah. to glorify God. Um, you know, you can go through the motions, you can show up and you can volunteer, you can can do all these things, but unless you truly surrender your whole life to the Lord and let him orchestrate your, your, your steps and and be part of the decision-making process, it's like, what, what does my life have to show? And it was a gentle, I'm telling you, it was so gracious of the Lord to, to put this person in my life, to say that because it from there prompted an entire change. It was like the, it was like, the continuation of that transformation process that had started when I, when I came to Charlotte. So, you know, as lonely as it was, I said goodbye to these, this friend group. And for a a while, it seemed like for so long, uh, but for a long time, it was just me and the Lord and he needed me to be alone in that season to hear from him and to really experience an intimate level with the Lord that can only come from spending time alone on a Friday, Saturday night with him. And, um, and I spent a season just praying for good godly friends. And it wasn't very long after that, that the Lord brought me such a tight knit, awesome community that uh, was exactly what I needed. And Jess, I, I think I met you through that group. So, you know, yeah, that's, goodness yeah, we that's did. Of that. and so uh, it was just such a, you know, looking back, I can see how the Lord's hand was so graciously over me, even when I wasn't living for him completely and that he really did orchestrate Uh, My steps, and so, and he redeemed a lot of what I thought was wasted time. But really, he was working through it all along. And so, um, you know, met these friends, and and we did our first. I did my first fast. I did my first fast, and it was during this three day water fast, and then the rest of a couple weeks of just fruits and vegetables. That you know, I I really felt like broken, and I, saying the Lord, like, why am I so hurt over? broken relationships over past hurts why am I just why can't I let go of things that happened decades ago why is it still mm. a thought in my head why is it still consuming my mind and the Lord I feel like said to me not audibly but you know quotably like I could quote him to say you're broken you're broken and you need me and it's just from there I kind of hit my like rock bottom in terms of like, I have nowhere else to go and I don't want to go anywhere else, but with the Lord from there. And, um, and it's just been, it's been, there have been struggles and times and it's been hard, but the Lord is faithful. And I will say that. Um, and so things weren't always rosy, but from there, I felt like the Lord just started shaping my character and, you know, things would happen later in life that, um, you know, when you go through suffering, when you go through stuff, that's really where I think your foundation starts to show. Um, and are there going to be cracks, or will you stand firm on God's promises? And and it's really, you know, you're put through to the test when you go through these trials. And so, it's been just building upon that foundation for the past almost ten years now. Yeah, nine years now. And so it's it's been a journey. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I never want, you know, when I think about when I died, I don't want the Lord to be like, I don't think he wanted to be a Christian. <laughs> you know, those words still, I my ear and I'm like, okay, what a gentle wake up call.
1: Yeah. And a hundred percent, no one would say that about you now. <laughs> never, never. Um, so I want to back up a little bit. I have like five questions. I'm like, which way do I go? So we're going to back up a little bit to when you were talking about Um, your, you know, your identity had been kind of wrapped up in the Pacific Northwest. And I just feel like there's someone out there right now who feels like such a big part of what they've associated with their identity is being pulled away from them or kind of ripped away right now. Um, or this like loss of what they place their security in. And I just feel like you might have a word of encouragement for somebody out there who feels like They've lost what they've put their identity in. They feel this shift happening and it's scary. Or yeah, I don't know. There's this kind of unknown relating to identity and security. Yeah. You, Any thoughts?
2: Yeah, you know, um, what comes to mind is a scripture from Proverbs. It says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. And so He's faithful. You got to believe that if you're going through something, if your identity is shook up uh, because of what you, um, everything you thought you knew, and things are turning, the Lord, you know, and maybe it's not of your own doing, and maybe it was a good thing that was going on. And certainly the Lord doesn't want things like divorce um, or human suffering or tragedy or death or anything like that. And sometimes, tragic things happen that can be a catalyst, right? For that shift. Um, or maybe it is your father is asking you to move across the country and you have yes. to start all over, you know, not, I wouldn't say that that is traumatic or, or tragic, um, but whatever, wherever it is on the spectrum, my encouragement is to say, trust that the Lord will make your path straight and don't, don't try to understand it. Don't try to understand mm. it, but trust that he is a redeemer. So he's going to, to make things right and nothing will be wasted your tears your fears all of the things all of the hurts you've been through he will use all of it for his glory and it's it's easy to look back now and say that I could not have said that whenever I was going through all of the turmoil and the emotional anxiety and all the things that I was experiencing um, and had I, had I been serving the Lord faithfully at that time, it would have been a much smoother transition. But I was grappling with my own sense of, like, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, I didn't, I wasn't serving the Lord. I was serving myself. And so as the mini God of my practical atheism, you know, I could not, um, I couldn't find any joy in any of that. All that, to say it took years, it took years to, to catch up and, and wake up. Uh, to what the Lord is doing. So, I would say if you can lean in the sooner, you can trust God the sooner, you can lean into his truths, the sooner you'll let him speak to you. Sometimes it takes him having to kind of erase the identity that you thought you had so you mm-hmm. could be built up in your true identity, which is an heir and co-heir with Christ. And what power comes with that right now yes. i have authority to go before the lord the god that created the universe i can go before him and present my request to him and if i delight myself in him he's going to give me what i want you know when his will and my will when my will matches up with what he wants i can ask him for anything and he's faithful so that um that is a truth i wish i would have known and understood. 14 years ago to save myself a lot of heartache, but I learned a lot. So I wouldn't trade the time for anything.
1: Yeah. And now God's using all those parts of your story, I believe, to encourage someone who's listening right now who is walking in that as well. God uses all of it.
2: (laughs) He does. He's faithful.
1: Has there been um, a time in your life where there's like a a struggle where you were just desperate for God to show up? And like, (laughs) what did you learn about Him in that season? Yeah.
2: Um, you know, I'm a mom of two boys now. I've had two boys. They're under two years old. Pandemic has, you know, <laughs> what other time in history could I have ever been able to work from home and see my boys during the day? So there's been a silver lining to this terrible time. But um, when my my eldest son was about six months old, he and his dad were coming down the stairs. My husband was carrying him. And he slipped, my husband slipped. And my my son, um, he fell forward and my husband caught him, but because of the impact, he had a small brain bleed. And so, you know, I never knew what it was like to be a mama bear until I had these kids. And I tell you what, like nothing will, will create uh, worry and fear in you um, until you experience something happening to your kids. And so it was you know, we, we took him to the hospital. We ended up staying for almost a week in the children's hospital. But because of the nature of his injury, there there was uh, some suspicion by the neurologist that we had actually shook our baby. It was the acupuncture. Oh no. Yes. So for 24 hours a day, we had a sitter in the hospital. We couldn't be alone with our son. And because of the criminal investigation that was opened and the DSS investigation that was open, we weren't allowed to be with, um, Alone with our son for six weeks after the hospital visit. So you know they were asking us like, "What? Where, where would we send our son if if we couldn't take him home?" And, and just it was like, and all of this was unraveling day by day. We had no idea what was going on. We thought our son has a, an injury. We need to get him help. Uh, My husband didn't even go to the hospital himself to get checked out. He had a huge contusion on on the side of his his hip and his leg because we were so concerned for our son. So as this was unraveling and we finally understood on day four or five that we were being accused of a crime that we didn't commit, um, we were just just so shocked and so desperate for God to intervene for us, to to be our, our defender. And you know, the, but along that journey, every step of the way, and we cried out and we prayed. And the supervisors in the hospital, some of them prayed with us. It was amazing. And we got to testify to the goodness of God to strangers. Um, you know, they had to sit with us for 12 hours at a time, but but they experienced everything. So we were, we were worshiping, we were praying. And um, thankfully, after that whole ordeal, you know, I have another sister in Florida that was able to come and be our supervisor for six weeks. And she brought her three kids and we got to spend time with them that we would never get. So there's a lot of good things that came out of that whole trauma, but every step of the way we just did not know at any given point in time, you know, they said, well, if, uh, if you, I said, well, where would you send our son? We don't have family here. Ryan and I both, you know, we don't have our parents here. We don't have brothers and sisters here. And they said, well, we put him in foster care. girl, I waited my entire life to have kids in my late thirties. You think that I'm not going to fight for them to keep them in my care? Yeah. Crazy. Right. So, you know, we just said our preference would be that we would leave the house. Our son could stay at home and my sister would come the next day. She got on a flight, but we also have some dear friends who are really like spiritual, a spiritual mom and a spiritual dad to us that could escort us home from the hospital and, stay with us until my sister could get there. And mm. these good godly people are just amazing. And and the Lord was so faithful to put them in our lives.
1: Yeah. But he showed up. Mm. Man. So what happened? I mean, I know you have full custody of both of your wow. boys. So, ah, so there's yeah. a happy
2: ending. happy ending. So the criminal investigation happened and the detective came and and my husband went to the hospital, got the full report, saw the pictures of the bruises. And she, you know, very quickly said, I don't think you've done anything wrong here. And then we um, went and got a second opinion from a, 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 an abuse specialist, a child abuse specialist, who said, you know, the injuries um, that, the, that the neurologist saw in his in his head scans, it showed the brain bleed, but what they saw was, what the neurologist thought was old blood from like an older trauma that might have happened a couple weeks before the fall. And that's where the accusation came in. Mm. And so the second opinion the radiologist said, well, that's really just spinal fluid. It's not um, blood. And it seeped in because our son has a big head. He has a big head just like his mom. And so he has a condition where his brain. And the skull, like there's, there's just space between it for the first couple of years of life. Mm. And so the, the, the fluid that leaked in um, just looked like it had been old blood. And, and our final meeting with the neurologist, you know, after she had heard all the second opinions and our good name was cleared, um, you know, she, she said, because I remember I'd, I said, well, what could have caused this? You know, she's going through the results with me about telling me that there's an older trauma from weeks before that there was all this blood in my son's head. And she said, Well, you have to be honest with yourself about that. I go back to I didn't wait my whole life to have babies to hurt them. Yeah. But you know, they don't know you. These people don't know you. They're trying to do their job. And I would say that um, for the second time in recent years, it was um, going through a character witness development because when they build a case against you, you know, DSS and the detectives, they start doing character witnesses. They interviewed people in our lives to ask us, tell us about Reem as a mom, tell us about Ryan as a dad. And to hear what these people said are things that you didn't even realize you did. And just like my sister would say, I, it's like, <laughs> I laugh now, but she's like, Reem measures like the formula to the ounce and weighs it before she puts it in the bottle. And, um, And our other friend said, you know, Ryan puts headphones on the baby's ears when they were having the TV installed because he didn't want his son's ear hearing to be damaged at all um, by the sound of a drill. You know, just things that we didn't realize people noticed, but like it spoke to, to who we were as parents. And so when they built the case and they could check the boxes and they said, okay, Ream and rhyme. They went to all their wellness visits. They um, they they protected their son's ears. They weigh out formula. They don't have any you know prior records. They all of these things, and they they develop the story and and basically give us a grade on our character, which all helped in the end to say, okay, these are good people, and and they know how best to care for their son. But it made me think about at the end of my life, what mm-hmm. fruit will I have to show yeah. right that I that that uh jesus is lord of my life.
1: Yeah. And it
2: was another just gentle reminder. Like will I will I just be hoping and praying that somebody can testify to my good character? Or will I know and be confident to say, Lord, you were evident in my life and I I did my best and I ran I ran the good race mm-hmm. and produced fruit. Yeah. Uh, so it's it was another gentle just reminder to keep things in perspective. Yeah.
1: He's so Gentle with us. And, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the way you would, you were going to fight for your child, like you weren't going to let somebody take them. I think how much more God fights on our behalf. You know, when like you were walking through this like injustice and trying to fight against this lie. And I mean, I feel like when God sees us in those situations and all the injustice happening, in our world how much more does he like rise up and he fights for us and i just i love that about him and i feel so undeserving of that but that is what makes it even more beautiful yeah isn't that such
2: a great comfort to know
1: yeah yeah and actually is
2: something that carried us through it was like the Lord's our defender, he's fighting for us. He loves our son more than we do, if you can imagine that. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I mean that kind of leads, we're kind of headed into my next question of like, what is God revealing to you either through that or even since then? Like what new things is God showing you showing his character? No.
2: Even now, I mean, we continue to go through, we're newlyweds, right? I mean, it's been a couple of years, but we're still experiencing things. And and um, the Lord is just continuing to remind us that he's faithful. Whenever we're going through a new trial, like look back and see those Ebenezer's. look back and see the times. Don't forget, don't be so um, short short memory that you don't remember how good God has been every step of the way. And he brought us this far and he's got plans for us and he's got spoken truths over us that, you know, he's not going to just abandon us. He's such a faithful father. Um, and it's always, it's always going to be better to to operate out of his will than to do things on our own. And um, yeah. So that's uh we've been having to make some decisions recently and uh, thank God again for our spiritual mom and dad because with, with especially with our kids, sometimes we tend to make decisions out of a place of fear mm-hmm. and that's not what God's called us to, right? So they're so gentle to also say, you know we love you guys and you're gonna make the best decisions for your kids and you know when they feel led to say something, I know the Lord's speaking because they never. <laughs> Whatever, you know, uh, step on our toes. But um, but just to, to say that God is love and where there's love, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. And so whenever there's fear or anxiety, that's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. And so that right there teaches me and tells me, okay, I need to let go of that. And I need to seek the truth. And for me, a lot of it is spending time in worship um reading the word and trying to pray between dirty diapers and yeah. dishes and laundry yeah. so that the holy spirit would just be evident and just constantly top of mind and in my heart because you know the fruit of the spirit love joy peace all these facets it's one fruit right you get all of it together Who doesn't want love, joy, peace at all time? Who doesn't want the peace that surpasses all understanding? These things are available to us as believers. And whenever we spend any time dwelling on anything that isn't, you know, good and lovely and putting our thoughts on things that aren't um, on thoughts, you know, the Lord would have us focus on wasting precious time and really doing ourselves a disservice. So that is something that the Lord has been reminding us lately. Um and and it, it's timely because we need it in our lives. <laughs> I feel like all the time, but especially now in the season with small kids.
1: Yeah. Well and you know you were talking about making decisions related to your kids out of fear, but I think whatever season somebody out there is in, like, I don't have kids yet, but when I find myself operating out of fear in my relationships, like in the mm-hmm. past, that's when I've made some of the worst decisions. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I mean, whatever season you're in, if you feel yourself being gripped by that fear. Um,
2: and I'll tell you what, Jess, yeah. I lived through that too. You know, i was single a very long time. Very
1: long. <laughs> you were. Yeah. Do you have a word for our single friends out there? Yes. Listen. Listen
2: do not wish this season away. The Lord is teaching you something. You will never get this time back with the Lord. You will always have a distraction, someone competing for your time and attention. There's a certain level of intimacy that you can get now that can only come really with spending time alone with God, I'm telling you. And not to say you won't spend time alone with God in the future, but there's just a a certain level of intimacy where he just really is your everything. And um, the Lord, he kept me in my season for a long time because I didn't learn whatever it was I was was supposed to learn. And a lot of it was because I hadn't surrendered all control of all areas of my life. And so I would just encourage you if you're in that season, try this, try giving up all control. Mm. Try surrendering every desire of your heart and ask the Lord what's on his heart what's on his mind and start dwelling and thinking on things like that and see what the Lord won't reveal to you because again, it comes back to when you delight yourself in the Lord, you know, yeah, he's faithful. He'll give you the desires of your heart to yeah. light yourself in him first. So mm.
1: absolutely that's a good word that is good and I think that applies to so many different life scenarios you know we were talking about singleness but to whatever you're waiting on like whatever it is that is next for you you know we we get the thing we thought we wanted and then there's always the next thing we want you know isn't that how humans mm-hmm. tend to be and so what a sweet encouragement and reminder like God has something for you in this.
2: Yeah, in this season right now.
1: Yeah, Mm, that is good. So to shift gears a little bit, I know you're involved in some nonprofit work as well. Um, So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so uh, when my sister and her husband moved um, to Germany in 2010, they they founded the Justice Project um, International. I think it's comma international, not the International Justice Project, Justice Project International. And it's um, an anti-human trafficking organization really working with um, prostitutes in the brothels and the streets in Germany, uh, just being a resource for them and an advocate if they want to leave that life, but also working with the refugees who have been trafficked from Mm -hmm. primarily West Africa. They come to um, Europe, places like Spain under the guise of um, you're going to have a job. You're going to be able to send money back to your families. And then they get tricked and uh, they get, Um, these tremendous debts put on them that they have to pay back that they cannot. And when they're able to escape, a lot of them find themselves on a train to Germany in these refugee camps. So the Justice Project works um, with these refugees. There's a couple counseling centers um, that are specialized, whether it's the women in prostitution there in Germany where it's legal in the red light district or um, it's the, the refugees, but there's also a safe house Um, where the women are rehabilitated. They get to live there. They go through programs, training, trying to Mm -hmm. um, get them to learn the the language and assimilate in a society and have um, skill sets that they can then use to get jobs and to take care of themselves. Um, But they also use a referral network here in the United States for um, trafficking survivors, whether they need to connect with someone, depending on what their need is, uh, my sister's sister's organization will help connect them with, with a resource uh, here in the United States, or do counseling remotely, virtually, until they can get the assistance that they need. So um, it's been tremendous to watch how the Lord has grown that and blessed that work that started over a decade ago. And um, the women that have come through the safe house, especially, it's just been such a powerful, powerful story of how the Lord you know, is redeeming them and rescuing them and
1: Um, fighting for them like we were talking about yes they were in the most
2: desperate hopeless situations the lord saw them and did not leave them there and he just loves us too much to to leave us in our own mess or in a mess that somebody has us you know held under um captivity so it's a it's an awesome organization
1: man so if people want to get connected and learn more about that what do they do
2: you can go to thejusticeproject.net, and I think there's a English version of the website as well as a German. If uh, it's not in German, go for it, but otherwise, you can, you can read all about it in English.
1: <laughs> Perfect, and I'll link that in the show notes, so if people want to dive in a little more. So we're almost out of time, and I like to end with the same question every time, and I'm always blown away by how different the responses are so what did i miss what is something that the holy spirit is laying on your heart um like it could be a word of encouragement a fi- i don't know a final thought about something god's teaching you what mm. can you not leave without saying no pressure i
2: would say this that the lord sees you exactly where you are and nothing surprises him and he is, he's our Papa. And he wants you to come to him with every every hurt, every broken heart. And you know, the Lord's close, is, the Lord's near to the brokenhearted. The word says that. And and as daughters and sons of God, the creator of the universe loves us so much that he's saying, come, child, come sit with me, sit on my lap, let me hold you. Don't pass up an opportunity to do that. And and listen, let the Lord reveal things to you. Let the Lord speak truths and whisper truths to you through his word, read, read what the word says and ask the Holy Spirit to point out a word or scripture or verse, something that sticks out and then stop reading. Stop reading when that happens, when something strikes you and just dwell on that for a while Mm. and let that just minister to your heart Because the Lord is always speaking. He's always speaking. And if we would just be still before him, I promise you, as a child of God, you're going to hear from your father. He wants to tell you something. And so, um, you know, lean, lean into that. Lean into that. Turn off all the noise. I went on a silent retreat once and it was the best thing I'd ever done. I just finished a relationship I was my boyfriend and I had broken up I was so sad and I called a friend I said I need someone to talk to and hang out with what, can we hang out and she's like oh I'm going on a silent retreat I was like you could have just said you were washing your hair you don't have to like make it up silent retreat She's like, do you want to come and I was like yes yeah. and so you know, but just to have that practice of being still before the Lord and learning how to pray his word pray it back to him his word doesn't return void right the Lord said it, remind him he said it, he'll do it. Um, and so we have, we have such a tremendous amount of authorities, heirs and co-heirs with Christ that I feel like we don't, that many people don't tap into that. Many people don't, don't take advantage of that. And how much more does the Lord have for us if we would just lean into him and embrace the truth of who we are. We are not the sum of our past mistakes. You know, we are not marked by a diagnosis. That's not who we are. We are not marked by an illness or who someone else said we are.
1: Yeah.
2: Or what our parents may or may not have spoken over us. We are who the Lord says we are. And we ought to stand in that truth. And there's a tremendous amount of freedom to be had. And once you experience that freedom, it's just like the floodgates open and the blessings and heaven comes to earth, right? Like we can pray, we can have goodness from heaven on earth now. Yeah. So don't miss the opportunity. Listen to what the Lord is saying. I promise you it's only good stuff.
1: Amen. That is perfect. Thank you so much for being with us today, Reem. Thanks for having me, Jess. What a great conversation with Reem. In there, she was talking about how God is a provider of all our needs. And I've been reading about this very thing. Um, I am just loving this new book I got uh, back in December, All the Divine Names and Titles in the Bible by Herbert Lockyer. And it is so rich and fascinating. And there's this section— where he's talking about um, the name of the Lord, my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. I I don't know if that's actually how it's pronounced, Jehovah, and then R-O-H-I. And um, in here he's saying, you know, God as our shepherd is the one who uh, the one who shepherd love, care, and resources they could depend upon in the untried, untrodden, and unknown pathways of the future. No matter what the unseen days may produce, whether your needs be temporal or spiritual, needs that you would be utterly powerless in supplying at every turn of the way, your faithful shepherd would be a hand to relieve and undertake. And I just thought that was so beautifully written and such a beautiful picture of how the Lord is with us. When we travel along the untrodden and unknown pathways of the future. He is there to provide. Um, Later on in this passage, um, Lockyer, the author, starts breaking down Psalm 23, which is this very famous psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yet his insight into it blew my mind because he breaks down every part of this chapter and shows how it shows a different name of Jehovah, of the Lord, and a different aspect of his character. So, you know, it starts Psalm 23:1. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. You know, God is my shepherd. In that description I just read, I shall not want. That is the name of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider um he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters that is jehovah shalom the lord is our peace he restores my soul um that okay again i'm not sure on fully on the pronunciation of this i need to start taking some some pronunciation classes but he restores my soul jehovah Rofeka, Rofeka, ropheka ropheka r o p h e k a the divine shepherd is likewise the divine physician whose art our healer, um, whose healing ministry also includes healing of the soul and also healing of the heart. He is our soulless as we face the final trial of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And then it goes on to talk about how he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is Jehovah Sidkenu. T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. The Lord is righteousness. He does not drive or force us to take the road leading to likeness to his own nature, but he leads us. Um, so the Lord is our righteousness. And then thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That is Jehovah Nisi, our banner that we you know, carry into battle. He is our victory in battle. Um, you anoint, you anoint my head with oil. We're down in verse five now of Psalm 23. That's Jehovah M'Kadesh. It, this is talking about the sanctifying part of his, um, uh, of his personality, of his presence, of his character. And then Thou art with me, uh, Jehovah Shemal. The title of the presence um, is like, and that's kind of the whole theme of the entire psalm is this intimacy of knowing his presence that the lord is there in every aspect of his character he is there as our banner into victory as our healer as our provider as our shepherd and guide into the unknown um, as our righteousness as our defender and all these things and how amazing is that oh i just love it so whatever you are in need of in this very moment God is that for you, and He is not holding out on you. So whatever one of those names you need to cling to today, just know that He is fully, fully that for you. Um, And so I just pray you experience Him in a new way today um, and in a way that you need for your own circumstance that you're walking through. So I hope you have a really wonderful week. We are praying for you. Um, and I just love you all so much. We will see you in two weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Beyondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.